So yeah, let's uh, let's let's continue. I'm Jeremy Greer. Let's get this group. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm saying everyone else I record with is like let's or something, and then you just like nod. <laughs> you didn't you didn't see my facial expression? I'm as ready to go. <laughs> the deal is this. Says you're all going to be practicing magicians. I'm Jeremy Greer. And I'm Gary Butterfield. And this is Days of Future Cast, the podcast where Gary and I are going through Grant Morrison's new X-Men run issue by issue and having a pretty goddamn great time doing it. How are you today, Gary? Hmm? Uh, you know, I'm doing all right. Doing pretty good? Doing okay. Got a little bit of hunger in me. I think Uh-oh. after we finish up this uh, recording session, I'm going to gonna go grab a, grab a bite. What you, what you thinking? You know, I need uh, I need to eat some vegetable content. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I need to go grocery shopping. So, I might Ooh. go to a store with like a hot bar. I might go to like a Whole Foods because I don't yeah. need very much in the way of groceries. Mm-hmm. Eat a, a couple vegetables from the hot bar and bring home, uh, you know, some some minor groceries. I love it. Uh, I've got Not some. One of those fat cats who shops at Whole Foods regularly. No, you know, neither am I. So. Um, also, because fuck Whole Foods in general. But um, yeah, we are having hamburger steaks tonight. So. Ooh, baby! I know, fucking gravy on some rice, not a veg, Fuck, not not a vegetable in fucking sight, my in dude. Sight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all the vegetables had to go sit out in the back deck. Yes, they're, they're in the witness. They're this. in the backyard. You can't. You guys can't. Aren't allowed. Um, we're covering issue number one twenty three of the new X Men mm-hmm. today. Uh, we are Part in two of Imperial, the Imperial arc. Um, let's let's get it started and talk about this weird cover. I don't like it. <laughs> nope, this is also an off-model Wolverine. It's a different kind of off-model Wolverine. Uh, clearly supposed to be him, but if he didn't have like the claws and a little bit of the hair, it might. You know, I'm not sure exactly who it would be. Yeah, it looks. I don't care for it either. It it looks like a famous action star for some reason. Like it it looks like yeah. one of the it looks like one of those times that somebody drew, like a no well known face in a well known pose that I just can't quite place because it's been altered just enough. Like Greg Land. Yeah, Greg Land does with porn. Yes, abs- absolutely, Greg Land. That's what yeah. I was thinking of. <laughs> Fucking Greg Land. Uh, um, the uh, the art in this we're back to Ethan Van Skyver, the noted shithead, uh, who is nonetheless a good artist. Um, I think the art in this book is good, even if the cover is bad. Yep. Uh, we're starting off with Angel, um, not that Angel, uh, the new Angel, mm-hmm. um, who is has weird insect wings and shoots like, you know, like acidic goo out of her mouth. Um, mm-hmm. And she's sitting up in a tree while someone yells at her and tells her that she they are trying their patience. And of course, uh, we're going to find out that it was uh, Emma Frost. Emma, who's yelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Emma and Jean are walking through the campus. Like it's one of those things where they know the attack is coming, you know, but they just, the life still has to go on. Yeah. You know, like we can't plan for this. Mm-hmm. 
It's like Portland with the big earthquake that will come and eventually kill me. Australia is on fire, but there is nothing that I can do about that right now besides record a podcast about comic books. So here, here I am. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and basically they just kind of, you know, they talk about, uh, catch us up, like what's going on. Um, they're having a press conference because that was Charles Xavier's, uh, kind of directive to Jean Grey after, uh, she rescued him. Um, you know, they talk about, uh, you know, he can't remember, you know, there's this great little detail that pays off later where Jean Grey says, you know, his mind is going like, he can't remember who I am most of the time. He calls me Moira, which is great. Or Gus, which is a weird one and that pays off later in a really touching moment. Um, and, uh, there's a great little bit, you know, uh, where they're talking out loud. She's like, well, what do I talk to these people? I have the flu. I'm really stressed out. Again, that flu subplot. And Emma Frost says they love jokes, dear. And then psychically says, how about you tell them that you just found out that humanity is doomed within five generations, you know, Mm. Emma's (laughs) sense of humor here on display. Oh, um, pocket really, really licking, digging that joke. (laughs) He's uh, he's running around, jumping on different surfaces, yelling. And then running to another surface. Uh, I really want the printer now, so we might get another printer uh, encore here. I really Let's want uh, Pocket and Rosie to meet. They seem to have very similar energy. I just don't let Rosie oh, in yeah. here when I record. So, hear that, Pocket? We're gonna arra- we're gonna join our houses. Yes, we're gonna absolutely. Them I'm sure if the printer scares you, this this 25 pound basset hound with huge ears <laughs> won't won't have any negative effect. I I've always, I've really wondered what Pocket how he'd react to a dog because he he seems brave, but. You know, the printer and also his tail. Like there's all kinds of things that scare pocket. We, um, interesting cat. When we moved into our first house, um, we adopted a cat, Julius, who you've met. Um, and Julius was, has always been a little dullard. Like he's always been kind of fucking stupid. Uh, but he's a really sweet cat. He's, he's very friendly. And, um, one day and he's always been an inside cat. Like we'd never let him outside or anything. Um, and our house in Phoenix had like this nice fenced in yard, we got it kind of fixed up so we could hang out there and drink margaritas and the dog could go out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, one day we we're like, well, it'd be nice if like Julius could come out here with us. And so <laughs> we are like, we open the door and Julius is not having it. it like does not mm-hmm. want to go near the door. And we're like, well, maybe if we just pick him up and like put him outside, he'll see that it's fine and just hang out. So we go in, pick him up. We set him outside the door and the little, I feel so bad. He freaks the fuck out. He is terrified <laughs> by the wide open outdoors, streaks all around the yard. And then we had a, a fence on the side of the house that was about five and a half foot tall. He leaps over that <laughs> and <laughs> goes into the road. <laughs> and at this point, of course, Autumn and I are both screaming, stop, like, like that's going to do anything. And then luckily, like I go through the house instead of chasing him through the fence and I open the front door and I guess he just sees me because he, he just runs in and goes straight upstairs <laughs> and we just didn't see him for days after that. Like he was just like hiding forever. And then finally he traumatic as hell. I mean, I felt so bad about it. I just thought he would have a good time. Like we're outside. Come hang out. But nope. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a uh, smells. It's cause you go outside and it's a you million. You, you smell like a thousand predators at once. Oh, it must be. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, and so it's, it's the pocket will be act, like right now he's literally climbing the walls like running around and I think that sometimes when he has his uh his shitty periods maybe somebody in the apartment got a new pet mm-hmm. and I can't smell there's a new dog but to him there's like a new danger he can't see oh, there's yeah. like an invisible yeah. danger somewhere you know and that's why he's looking around or he's just you know fucking with me I don't know <laughs> uh, <laughs> or he's just manipulating the dumb human who is who is subservient to him. Yeah, yeah, he's just playing with my keys because he knows it'll distract me from podcasting. And when I'm podcasting, I'm not like talking to him or sure. giving him treats. So, 
Um, so we cut over to uh, Angel. She's watching one of the Stepford Cuckoos uh, flirt with this student mm-hmm. and uh, kiss him. Uh, there's a great, again, great expression work where she kisses the student and looks out the corner at her eyes at the other cuckoos. Yes. Who, um, who are really, really wonderful little scene. Who are all oh, talking about her with Emma Frost. It's like, she's kissing him now. That practically makes her a slut. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like very, very high school kind of ish stuff. Yeah. All, all the, the cuckoos content in this, uh, this issue is great. Yes. Like, or this arc actually, like this is the cuckoo's time to shine. Um, you know, and Emma Frost, again, really great characterization during this whole thing. You know, uh, she's, you know, who is this guy? Uh, he's this guy from Japan. He has 4d or 3d recall, whatever that's supposed to mean, <laughs> you know, which we'll find out. Like he just made up a superpower. Yes. Um, this sounds like something Grant Morrison would say. Um, and, uh, you know, we think he's taken over Esme's mind and this great, you know, well, the blush of young love can feel like invasion of the dignity snatchers. But treasure it, girls, because it turns sour soon enough. You know? Yes. And, like, she basically says, like, don't worry. Like, this is all very, very temporary. Um, but it's just going to end, like, in, in badly like it almost always does. So she'll grow out yep. of it. Her diary will be filled with regrets. And that and that's the tragedy behind all Cupid's twanging. Like, obviously, yep. like, she's pretty bitter about love in general. I wouldn't. <laughs> gee, I wonder why. Um, yeah, I, just, I mean, I don't know who Emma Frost has been romantically involved with. Black King, maybe? Was she involved with Sebastian Shaw? I don't feel like it. I think he was, she just like hung around in his house in her underwear. Oh, I was but, just, I was just thinking of like her obvious interest in Cyclops and like, oh sure, the, yeah, 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 that's true. Or, or just like seeing Jean Grey and, and Scott mm-hmm. kind of dissolve. I want to say in that solo book that she had for like seven issues or something, there was a romantic plot in that with some other dude, but I can't. It's been so long since I read it. it. Yeah. When she was in college. Yeah, you know that yeah. was a, yeah. So maybe that was, that went bad there. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when that came out, but I don't. I didn't read very much of it. And we're not reading bad comics on this podcast. We're reading good well, comics. I, I we will read bad comics. Oh yeah, absolutely. Guarantee it. Absolutely. <laughs> the, um, so um, we cut over to uh, Angel. She's in this tree, and Wolverine's kind of scolding her. Like she's really sick of it. You know, this place sucks. All these kids suck. They think they're special and good. Makes me sick. Uh, and Wolverine's like, basically, uh, shut up. They're just the same as you. Stop being a hard ass. Yes. You know, uh, Wolverine sees through it. Um, and, uh, I love this where he's like, where are you going? If it's so great around here. And he's like, well, I've been around the block a few times. Business finishes up, but right now I'm on the trail of some liquor and pool and easy company. So Wolverine using easy company as, uh, his euphemism for, for Poontang. Yes. Uh, I really like to a like so. a fifteen year old girl. Yeah, yeah. You know, he knows he knows which way the world goes. Sure. You know? Yeah, girl. You but know, she's gonna get pregnant in like three issues. Like that's true. Know? That's very very true. Yeah. She's gonna have weird little yeah. babies in like five. So um, yeah, we're coming up on it. And Emma Frost comes walking over and it's like, oh, if you're trying to get laid, you should hurry up. They're about to close the zoo. And he's like, hey, he's she's not gonna understand your sense of humor. Okay, just please stop. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that line. Like, you know, she's busting Wolverine's balls. Wolverine likes it. You know, they have this jokey relationship, uh, you know, and this is Emma Frost first exposure to Angel and they kind of uh, spar. Yeah, because Angel, as Angel, as you might imagine, and Emma Frost are polar opposites. Like uh, Emma is very um, uptight um, and very, you know, cultured, uh, very not necessarily polite, but mannered, if you can see the distinction. And whereas Angel is not like that at all. She's she's messy and. Uh, rude and yells and like they just instantly don't like each other yeah um you know wolverine asks about the stuff for cuckoos um she says these are the creme de la creme of my telepathy class and he's like creme de la what these are just teenage girls with hormones like the fourth of july one of them got lucky with some kid from osaka you know the other ones are dying of jealousy and i love angel popping down and be like read the ice queen or writes wolverine <laughs> like 
stick it to a... Uh, Tell him, Dwayne. Get him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tell him. Uh, you know, Emma Frost is like, hmm, I'm going to have to take a hand in you. She's like, you know, try it and I'll cut it off. She goes, challenge accepted. Yeah. So this is uh, Emma Frost really kind of coming back into her own, like her places as a teacher. We've talked about that before. Yep. And that's one of the big things this arc did. And from so. there, we cut over to Beast, who is uh, inviting the press into the mansion. Um, and he's about to give them a tour. Meanwhile, Gene uh, is with Xavier, basically just kind of talking to him, even though he's not responding. And uh, and eventually kind of gets from his brain, because he's, he's kind of coming in and out of this telepathic connection, and eventually finds out that Gus was the name of his dog. And she yeah. says, yes, he was a really, really nice dog. You're right. And oh, yeah. how sweet. It's very sad. Um, I love the the sense of humor that uh, Beast exhibits in these issues. Like, come right through here. You can see we vacuumed especially. <laughs> the idea that they vacuumed. <laughs> this is like just a very good joke. Uh, is there uh, any mutant with the power of cleaning? Do we have one of those? Uh, pro- in- <laughs> probably. Bring in Mega Maid. Um, <laughs> the, the <laughs> Mega Maid. The power of dusting. But yeah. no but no yeah. windows. <laughs> the, the, the Cole Ross man. The... Uh, <laughs> with the mutant ability to clean. Um, so we cut over to the press conference. Uh, Beast, you know, introduces uh, Jean Grey, and she basically gives this speech that goes on for, for a while, mm-hmm. um, kind of laying out this new X-Men philosophy um, and Xavier's dream in a way that is, uh, you know, palatable to just people and is understandable. Yeah. Um, it's really good. Like, the dialogue here is super interesting and good. I, um, I love the, you know, bas- when she yeah. starts describing uh, Xavier's uh, first experience with his power. She says, you know, he was only 11 years old when he saw through all of the lies we told us that we tell ourselves. And like that to a, to a room full of journalists is probably a very provocative thing of being like, Oh yeah, he knows everybody's secrets automatically. And he couldn't possibly understand what to do with that at 11. Yeah. Like 11, you know, he's a kid. He doesn't fucking know. Uh, she takes them into a telepathic meeting room. So we're in a trip, trippy sidescape here. Um, and she's fielding questions. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and this is um something new that I don't I don't really think we've seen in the X Men before. Like just an open and honest, like, hey, ask us whatever you want to ask. Like, get, let's get into who we are and what we do here, so we can be S M A. I hate it. Oh fuck off! I hate it. Um. But and the very first question is like, hey, we have people pretending to be mutants, mutant fashion isn't styled. Like, are you guys the do rock and roll? Um, and it's like that's a kind of an interesting thing because for so long, like in the real world, like X Men kind of were the rock and roll, right? Like they were people mm-hmm. like will style clothes based on uniforms and like think about these guys as kind of like a punk rock thing uh, back in the seventies and eighties, maybe less so in the nineties. Um, but it's, it's still something like people would idolize and to have that like be brought into this world, I think is super interesting. Yeah. It's all part of like Grant Morrison's stated mission statement with this run it was like the X-Men used to be cool. We need to make the X-Men cool again. And you know, because he's Grant Morrison, he made them cool in the real world by doing this run that basically reinvented you know, the, the franchise, like before this, we had, we we're doing shit like the 12 where like apocalypse had to go hunt down the 12 most powerful mutants in the world to like sap their powers in a big device. Yeah. You know, like it was, it was the, we were dealing with some real Scott Lobdell level shit. And, uh, he, uh, and cause, and he also made it so that would happen in the real world. So it's not the X-Men, just the comic that has this uh, youth energy. It's also the X-Men as the organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and he, be, you know, she basically says, yes, you know, I can see what you're getting at. It seems like everyone wants to be the persecuted minority, but that's really defeatist. 
you know, we, we are proud of ourselves. We're proud of our achievements, but we are not treating ourselves like a token. Yes. Essentially. And, uh, he asked another question about the X-Men, but basically says like, I've heard you're, you've got some sort of private army. And as she's describing what the X-Men really is from outside, we see the the boy that has 3D recall that one of the cuckoos was making out with, um, like looking at the at the at the mansion from afar, mm-hmm. um, and can and can see into it. Yes, um, and uh, t- speaks in an alien language into a wristwatch communicator. Um, we go back to the uh, the conference. Somebody asks a bigoted question. Basically, says trouble follows you wherever you go, which is you know not untrue. Uh, the X-Men, you know, it's just, uh, they're superheroes. There's a lot of bad stuff that happens with the X-Men. Um, you know, she just heard about the Shi'ar. She got the Shi'ar weekly. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, Emma Frost puts her in her place. Like, basically, uh, you know, talks about uh, Beast, calling him a freak. Uh, she turns all giant and invades her mind. Yes. Uh, you know, and uh, Jean Grey basically says, hey, we're going to have to forget, you know, wipe everyone's memory the last 10 seconds. Uh, you know, so following in Xavier's foot, footsteps, exactly. I love the uh, very surprised beast beneath the, the very, very large giant. <laughs> he's like, whoa, what mm-hmm. the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the? Um, he's got little metal gear, like alerts on his head. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, you know, she's like defending him. He's like, oh, it's okay. I've been called worse. Listen, I'm in the lab right now. I can't really concentrate enough to maintain my presence here. And then we switch over. He's leaning over a microscope. He's like, oh my God, oh my God. While Jean Grey is explaining, like, yeah, our people have been persecuted and exterminated. Uh, there's this genocide on an unprecedented scale. You know, with Gen- Genosha, we've lost all these Einsteins and Shakespeare's and Kirk Cobain's. Kind of explaining, like, hey, it's a big idea, but we believe in the future. Like, we are optimistic. Yes, trouble has followed us, but we're going to focus on the future. While Beast is discovering, like, hey, that flu we've been suffering, and we thought maybe Cassandra Nova was behind it, it's ten times worse. And there's a great little panel here. Where he goes, "Oh my stars and fucking gardens!" <laughs> I uh, love it. You know, just, what a great line. It. Yeah. Well, and the image, like they, it shows this uh, microscope mm-hmm. um, of cells being attacked by little tiny micro sentinels with the, the the sentinel head. Yeah, little 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 sentinel it. scorpion cell it's cell Shrimps. killers. Fucking yeah. good. So yeah. good. Don't you like sentinel want like shrimps. a like a tank of these somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. Sea monkeys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cute. Uh, yeah, I love it. We cut over to uh, Wolverine in a bar, obviously looking for some easy company and watching Gene's uh, speech on TV while all of this is happening. Um, Mm -hmm. Because like, and I didn't realize this at first too, like this is being televised. This is a huge fucking deal. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Yep. Um, You know, she's like, you know, we're not training mutant soldiers. We're training scientists and artists, you know, athletes and doctors. Uh, One of the guys goes, how about mutant bartenders? Wolverine says, I'll drink to that. Really cute. And she's basically just laying out this vision. For an optimistic future where humans and mutants are branches on the same evolutionary tree, will work together. We should not be fighting each other. We're tired of hiding, hiding and running. Like we even endured what the world, the worst the world has had to offer. What if we help? What if we work together to make the world a better place? Like it's very utopian. Yeah. Uh, and it works. It, it lands. It absolutely lands. Like in this next page is her saying like, I hope I didn't go on too much. And then they're walking around the school grounds and it's, it's very utopic, utopia ish. Um, mm-hmm. like mutants are flying around playing what looks like badminton, which, you know, I love a good game of badminton. Give me, give, give me some badminton any day. Um, love badminton. and just having With the hugest net that's ever been. Yeah. Why this net fucking, is. I mean, it's like, is there Mega 17 mitten. people playing? Like are there yeah. eight teams playing at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I love Mega Mitten. Um, um, but yeah, this all works. Like one of the reporters is like, I can't speak for her. I know you can't speak for all mutants, but like this, this looks great. This literally looks like a utopia. Yeah. 
and, and she's like, well, why don't we talk? Like, let's get a start. You know, it's very sweet and very optimistic. Of course, things are going to go bad because drama uh, conflict is the, is the soul of drama. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, so, you know, she's uh, talking about the, being this outpost of the future. Esme, who is the Stepford, Coo- Stepford Cuckoo, who is dating Kato, uh, who is the alien, says, hey, who are you talking about? Is there something talking to you? Is there something I should know? And he goes, well, you know, I may as well tell you about it now that you're going to die. Uh, and then the Shi'ar ship scans them, uh, knocks Jean Grey on her ass Yes. Uh, through this, and the invasion has started. I do, uh, before, before he does this whole thing, we get that panel of Jean continuing to talk, and, like, it's just a picturesque view of a bunch of mutants, like, having a good time at school, and, like, there's a weird mystique nightcrawler person, and on the right side, there's what looks like a guy with a bandana that's, like, half water or something. The genie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's what's up with the Will Smith genie? <laughs> I don't know why there's a Will Smith genie. Also, having young nightcrawler, uh, that's, like, the nightcrawler's daughter Nocturne from Exiles. It's a real weird cameo. Oh, that is weird. Yeah, yeah, because you remember Nocturne? I think her name was Nocturne. There, there's a lady nightcrawler who was in Exiles. I think that that's who that might be referencing, even though that character is not in Six One Six. Oh, weird. So hmm. super weird. Um. So yeah. Um, sorry for the brief aside, but yeah. Then no, we. No, it's we're, it's we're talking about the genie. Yeah. Will Smith, like <laughs> you know, genie versus uh, elephant ears versus like Uncle Yoda over here. Oh man! First there was Baby Yoda. <laughs> yep. Well, baby Yoda's Yoda's got to have a brother. Have you uh, have you muted Baby Yoda on Twitter yet? Oh, my new yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, not my first rodeo, my man. It is so uh, funny. It's muted as hard as it ever could be. Uh, so Jean passes out. Uh, Emma kind of reassures the all of the press of like, oh hey, this is this is fine. This is a, like just no big deal. Uh, just go towards the mansion, and then Jean freaks out and is like, go to Diamond Form, telepathic shutdown. Scott's in danger, and then that's when Beast runs in. Jean, they're nano sentinels, and they're like, not an appropriate <laughs> not <now>. time. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know when she says uh, Scott's in trouble, uh, Emma's like, no, he's in Tibet. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a little bit of like everyone is freaking out at the same time, not really communicating well. We switch over to Tibet, where uh, the first invasion of the Shi'ar have come. They've knocked out Scott, and they're taking Scott and Zorn up to the Shi'ar ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you kind of get this cover story now that Cassandra Nova is uh, controlling Leandra. Again, we don't get to see all Leandra. We don't get to see all this stuff happen. We just cut over and see the after effects. Yes. Um, she's talking about there being this thought plague contamination. So she's basically sold them that all the mutants on Earth have this contamination, have turned evil. Uh, and the Empire uh, is a really backwards uh, political thing where the empress is all knowing and, you know, is to be obeyed in every, you know, every situation, no matter what. Mm -hmm. So they're going away with it. Like people are talking to gladiator and like, Hey, you know, I got a dark sense of humor as well, but these guys are our friends. It's like, well, sometimes, you know, they turn toxic, you know, this happens, this has happened before. Um, We have to take them out. The empress commands us. What do you, uh, what do you think about this weird black ship in the front, in the top panel? The, uh, oh, their weird uh, StarCraft mm-hmm. uh, Zerg ship? Yeah. I don't know. It's funny. <laughs> it's <just> like... <laughs> Do you think you'll ever be excited about a spaceship ever again in your life? No, I just don't care about them. I don't think they're cool looking. I don't know. <laughs> space is not space is not the place for me, man. Space is not space the place. Space doesn't do it. Um, no, and yeah, not the place. Like, no. They uh they decide they are going to go to Earth and uh, as their Empress commands and start you know presumably killing all the mutants. Yep, sterilizing mutants because that is the thing that would hurt Charles Xavier the most. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we come back down uh, to where, you know, the other cuckoos are like, hey, something bad's going to happen. Your boyfriend's part of it. And she's no, no, you're just jealous. Like, you know, it's true. Look at him. And he starts speaking in his like alien speak. Uh, Kato was my human disguise. I am stuff advanced scout of Shi'ar super guardian team, you know, and morphs into this like blob, you know, and there's this great like thing where Esme's like, you read me poetry. You said we were in love. And like a fool, you believe me prepare for sterilization. <laughs> uh, fireballs come in from uh, the earth. Like the end of this is very funny. Again, this whole arc has, is kind of funny. Yeah, that's absolutely. Which is really surprising mm-hmm. for how dramatic it is. And because uh, you know, gladiator shows up. Yeah, this is the introduction of Gladiator, um, the the super guardian of the Shi'ar Imperium. My sworn duty is to preserve, preserve stellar harmony. Uh, and he says his he's forgiven what for has to for what he has to do here, and it's destroy all mutants. Yeah, um, and uh, Emma gets the last line: "Try not to let this experience put you off of boys as me." <laughs> Which is a very funny last line. <laughs> and that's the end of the issue uh yeah this is this is really good stuff like uh it, we, we talked about it a lot when we started the the arc but like space stuff is never space stuff with x-men has never been very strong for me but this isn't space stuff this is like what you said this is an invasion of space stuff uh we don't have <laughs> yeah, to deal we don't have to deal with the political machinations or anything it's just oh the cassandra nova took over the empire and has obviously taken over the empress and is now sending people to exterminate mutants like that's And this is all on earth. Like this is extremely dope. So yeah. Well, and, and Cassandra Nova is cool in a way that like death star never is. Yes. You know, the, 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 the Shi'ar bored the shit out of me. Um, you know, but Cassandra Nova is great and she's just using them as a weapon, which is how I want the Shi'ar to be. Used. I mean, the death star is pretty cool though. Not a good spaceship, man. <laughs> no good spaceships. <laughs> you know, they're a planet. Death Bird is who I was thinking of. It, I know, but I was I was, I was, I was just fucking with you because it is a cool yeah. it is a cool planet killing planet. <laughs> well, you know, you'd think so. There's only one kill, planet killing planet, and it's Unicron from Transformers the movie. Oh my god, it's the only good one. The last role of Orson Welles where he plays a gigantic fat planet that eats other planets. I didn't even know that fucking it, happened. Jesus. Yeah, man, it's super dignified. <laughs> <laughs> it's super dignified. <laughs> put that on my tombstone it was super, de- dignified, super dignified and then just the <laughs> wink emoji <laughs> Ding. Uh, anywho. anywho so uh if you like this podcast duckfeed.tv slash patreon or patreon.com slash duckfeedtv i think both of them work now uh and g- mm-hmm. give us a couple of bucks a month you'll get cool rewards for doing so you can tell gary and cole to, uh, what games they get to cover for the various podcast you get access to the slack channel uh the days of future cash channel has been hopping since we've um changed format lots of lots of comic book discussion more comic book discussion there than the actual comic book channel which we'll probably need to figure out at some point but i kind of like it the way it is right now you know yeah i I left the comic book channel because even though we have a manga channel manga infiltrated it (laughs) and then the days of future cast channel functions as the channel for the show and comics i'm interested in talking sure yeah just an accident but i'll take it you know (laughs) it wasn't by design it's just like yeah, you don't have to deal with any comics I don't care about. No one's going to talk to me about Martian Manhunter in this shit. So go to you the know? comics channel if you just want to talk shit about Gary. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I sometimes look at channels I'm not in, man. Mm. It's not safe. Sneaky. Safe. Sneaky. Uh, but thank you to everyone that's like, been doing that. And thank you to... Like 80% of the mod. <laughs> like, I'm like the only person who mods on that thing. Like you mod as well. I do. But mm-hmm. you do mod. It's like me, you, and Cole. 
Uh, yeah. Me, you, Cole, and like, Moot. I feel like are the and Moot yeah and are the are the are the people that bring shit up uh, that we yeah. and it's and it's never like anything actionable. That's the fun thing about modding stuff. Is just like this is kind of annoying. Can can I ban yeah. them? And the other people going, no, you can't do that. No, you probably shouldn't. It's like, okay, well, thanks for letting me vent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the end. We're all friends. Uh, and if you think this is about you, it probably is. So good night. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Uh, Positively Hughesian. Uh, I love it. Uh, I love it. <laughs> yeah.